Welcome to the ValeoCon podcast series. Our guest today is Jeff Hoover. Jeff, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Thomas, thank you very much. Jeff Hoover, I work for GE Healthcare as the global commercial learning leader. I've been with GE for about a year. Prior to that, I was with Baxter Healthcare and spin out of Baxter's bioscience division called Baxalta for one year. Prior to that, I was with Johnson & Johnson for almost 20 years, and it's a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you for joining the podcast. So our topic is Salesforce effectiveness. And maybe just to get started to define it, everybody talks about it. How do you define it and what is the objective? So Salesforce effectiveness is a very broad topic, but I think about it in my mind as the full wing-to-wing -wing view of sales excellence. It starts with understanding what is the unmet customer need. So really understanding your customer and the ideal competitive differentiation and that you've uncovered a need that the customer didn't know about themselves that can lead back to one or more of your solution. So once you have an understanding of the customer need, then identify what is the business problem that you're trying to solve for. And then you have to evaluate your talent to be able to say, if I had a role definition to execute flawlessly on this strategy, what would that role look like? And that role profile can help you understand, do you have the right people with the right skills to do the strategy execution that you need done? And then it's go-to-market modeling with some scalability to it. Go-to-market modeling being, how am I going to go to market with that end customer in mind, having a very targeted, where am I going to play and win first approach with milestones mapped out of, you know, expansion opportunities as you go forward. And then in the world that I operate in today is, do we have the right knowledge? And in healthcare, do I have the right clinical knowledge, product knowledge, customer engagement skills, market knowledge, business acumen to have a valuable conversation with my customer that we can actually win the day. But Thomas, I think about it as a wing the wing in all-inclusive Salesforce effectiveness, sales excellence plan. Mm -hmm. And in your views, some of the key levers for how a sales organization can differentiate itself from the competition. Well, first and foremost is that I still think that we're in the evolution of trying to show up and sell our box, our pill, or our device, and really going beyond that to just be an advocate of asking better questions. Being able to understand the customer's need and helping them to think through solving business problems. And finding examples that you can rely on with that customer that allows them to think differently about their business and together you discover something new that they didn't know about their business. Once you've uncovered that something new that they didn't know about their business, you get an aha moment. And then the competitive differentiation is that you can tie that aha moment back to one or more of your solutions, your products that helps to fulfill that customer's needs. The other element of this is organizations today really have to get away from thinking about sort of the siloed mentality of I have a business with a product that I am responsible to sell. And what typically multifaceted healthcare companies find with customers that do this well is that I need to break down those silos and find out what is the cross collaboration amongst businesses and get out of the silos so that we can actually serve the customer in the best way possible. That also, I guess, ties to the topic of integrated account management and how you go beyond the individual sales representative towards a more broader organizational approach. Totally agree. And you have worked both with pharma and, and medical companies. Where do you see some of the differences? 
what are like the headlines in those industries? It's a great question. There are similarities and differences. So I've been in pharma, specialty pharma, biotechnology, and now equipment and services. And across all of those businesses, it is common that you have some type of healthcare provider, some type of buyer on your end who is responsible for the care of patients. And the work that we do, regardless of what, what part of healthcare that you're in on the manufacturing side, is really enabling that user of our products and services to better serve that patient. So that's where the common ground is. And you hear things about customer centricity and patient centricity, but really living those words and not just saying those words is really a competitive differentiator in and of itself. And I have been with some very good organizations that do that very well. Where the differences lie is because the customers are different, then those businesses are inherently different. If they're trying to take cost out of their system in an equipment and services business, then your value proposition has to be focused on helping them to solve that problem. And that doesn't necessarily mean price reduction. That just means value exchange. In the biotechnology business, it really is about solving for future problems and being very passionate about not only taking care of the patients of today, but really striving for the patients of tomorrow. And in the pharma and specialty pharma business, it really did come down to a very fragmented healthcare system and how do you become as a manufacturer part of the glue to hold all of that together and be part of the solution and not part of the problem. So in today's environment, an awful lot of conversation is on multi-channel marketing, digital communications, the, the, the notion that maybe, you know, we need less sales reps can utilize technology to serve that function. What's your perspective on that? How do you see the role of the sales force changing in the context of the technological progress that we're seeing? You have to keep in mind that in today's world, and this has been evolving for quite a number of years, is that much of the buying decision is already made before we show up to sell anything. We're in a very information-rich world, and opportunity that any buyer in a healthcare system that wants to buy our products or services has the ability to do a lot of research before they ever have a contact with us. The evolution of our business is how do we play in that world of digital footprint where we're keeping that customer informed and helping them to solve problems of which our solutions can serve that. So it allows us to be in a different space to make our sales force more efficient and more effective so that by the time that you do show up at the door of a particular buyer with a customer is that you already have served them to that point. It's not your starting point, but you're catching them in that part of the journey. I do think that we'll continue to be more efficient with the way that we do augmented reality, AI, smarter machines in the world I live in today that is really taking precision health to the next level. And there will always be a role for people who have a level of expertise But the numbers of those that we need versus the digital footprint that we may have with the customer can certainly and likely will change over time. Do you see over the next 10, 15 years sales rep disappearing or is that human interaction still going to be critical to drive the success of products and services? 
Well, I think that there is always a need for a good salespeople, Thomas, and there is always going to be a role for them in the buy-sell process. Now, how that looks may not be the way that we see it today, where you have people who drive up to the front door of a hospital or a medical facility and enter and engage with a number of stakeholders. As technology evolves, we may not need to drive up to the front door in order to still be present in a digital way and that we can engage with customers in different ways. And if we do this well, then the human interaction that is still of great value can still occur. It just doesn't have to be face-to-face, similar to you and I today. You know, you and I are talking and not in the same room to develop this podcast. So we are doing a transaction of developing this podcast. And if you think about if we're able to give a pair of augmented reality glasses to a customer and our salespeople can then have a description of a product, piece of equipment, or a service offering that the customer can see through their glasses, that we are in a different room. So they get to touch and feel our products. We get to describe it to them. They can walk around it. They can look at it. I think that the way our digital footprint is going to evolve over time will make it much easier for us to reach more people in a very technological way. Excellent. So if you look at the different stages of maturity that companies have when it comes to Salesforce effectiveness, from your vantage point, what does low, medium, high level of sophistication look like? Low, medium, and high sophistication might look like a recognition of where is your customer. And if your customer is relying on monitoring centers where they're watching every patient that is connected to their healthcare system, if we're not prepared with that same level of technology or that same level of thinking or that we have prepared our salespeople or account management people to be uh, fully engulfed in that world, then you're likely behind. If you have a customer who is on the low end of technology or the low end of the maturity curve for evolving their healthcare system, then how do you become part of the solution to move them along? So I'm still a big believer, Thomas, in that you meet the customer where they are and take them to a new place. Help them by being as part of that journey, helping them realize things that they didn't know before, and then being able to be part of that solution. So that triggers one additional thought, at least on the pharma side, the model used to be for a long time, it's about reach and frequency, right? And share of voice and being the same physicians with emotional messages over and over again. And given that, you know, a lot of the decision-making now sits with managed cares or insurance on the payer side and the increasing institutionalization in that space, to what extent does that change the model for the sales force? I think reach and frequency models are on their way down, if not out, uh, Thomas, in my view, is that there certainly was a competitive time in the pharmaceutical industry when your share of voice is what got you share of mind, which is what got you share of wallet. Now, share of mind and share of wallet is still important today, but I don't think that it is driven as much by reach and frequency as it is by value proposition and solution orientation. If you're a doc in the box in a clinic and you have a particular business problem that you're trying to solve for, you're likely to want to partner with the company that helps you to solve for that problem, not just show up and sell me your drug or your device. And so in today's world, I would think that becoming 
being more disciplined in what target audience are we going to go after first to play and win. I still see a lot in our industry of we're going to try to be everything for everybody. And that sort of peanut butter approach is not strategic. And some of the best companies that I have seen, there's a lot of case studies for this that have been very targeted. We have to play and win here first and then we'll expand from there are the ones who who are in it for the long haul and likely have sustainable growth over time. So again, starting with understanding what is the unmet customer need that they may not even realize themselves, that you can help them be part of that journey and then tie that back to your company's solution is the answer. And that's not necessarily a reach and frequency model. So Thomas, the other two things to consider as we think about Salesforce effectiveness in the healthcare industry, one is we talk a lot about change management, the need for being in front of change, et cetera. But so many times what is needed for the change for the customer, the change for the sales organization, the change for the management team, et cetera, happens much later in the game. We go, oh yeah, we need some change management in order to make this happen. We should do that. And a lot of times that takes the form of a communications plan, which is just one element of change management. So my advice to your audience would be think about change management at the time that you are developing your value prop and your branding and your messaging and you're actually developing the product before you even take it to market. Begin with the change management up front and what is the behavior that you want out of the customer? What is the behavior you want out of your sales force? What is the behavior that you want out of your account management team as you factor? Fast forward to the new product introduction or the launch of your new product. What are those behaviors that you want? And you start working on those behaviors much earlier in the process. And I think one of the development opportunities for many companies will be to start to have that discussion much earlier in the process. The second thing about Salesforce effectiveness that I'd be remiss if I didn't say, particularly in my current role, is the value of learning and development and moving from a world of transactional training. In other words, we want to make sure people are knowledgeable of X. Therefore, we create a training program. We have people show up for three or four days. Then we check the box that we have provided the training. And what we should do is to move from thinking about transactional training events to more sustainable learning. And the way that that is evolving into the future is a flow of work learning. In other words, if you go into your CRM system and you update your pipeline or you update content as a result of a customer call for a particular profile in your CRM system, what you type in there could very well trigger through word recognition to say, Thomas, you might want to think about watching this video or you might want to think about listening to this podcast or read this white paper that may help you with what you just put in your customer. So you're learning as part of the flow of work. The other thing, too, is to become not less reliant, to build upon our footprint of face-to-face learning and our reliance on face-to-face learning to really evolve to what does digital learning look like, what does virtual learning look like. And those are different skill sets for your L&D folks that to evolve from being able to stand in front of a class to how do I facilitate a webinar? What does a five-minute or less video look like? What does a 10-minute or less podcast? All these things that think about how do I fit it into the normal schedule, normal time for how a salesperson works today that they can actually have on-the-job learning and also facilitate peer-to-peer learning, which is how really sustainable learning happens. So those are just a couple things, Thomas, that I thought would be of value today, too. 
Very good. Well, thank you, Jeff, for participating in our podcast. It's been a pleasure and stay tuned for further episodes. Thank you.